This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Tom Kissingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. stage of the process right now where the combine is just taking place pro days are, are going on the nfl draft is literally right around the corner every single fantasy football regular football dynasty football debbie idp it doesn't matter what the league is the format any of that Everything that's going on is is mock drafts. It's centered around of some sort of mock draft, whether that be for real NFL teams, whether that be for dynasty leagues, super flex, single quarterback, standard leagues, half point PPR, tight end premium. We see all kinds of rookie drafts going on right now. And that stuff is useful. It's useful to see where the community values these incoming rookies. It's useful to see where the top-rated analysts value these incoming rookies. It's it's good to start to, start, start to formulate where we should place value or where the value should be placed on said incoming rookies. But this is a Debbie show. And I said back in December that once December, January rolled around, I was done. I said that I was done with 2020 rookies. And I've lied. I, I can't quit them. I'm, I'm still talking about them constantly. But, but, lucky for you tuning into this show today, I've got something very special for you because one of the things that I don't see often are depleted rookie draft advice for those of us who participate in Debbie Leagues. And right now I'm sort of going to, I'm going to plug and stump for everybody listening. If you, if you don't participate in a Debbie League, you really should. And let me tell you why. I've talked about this on multiple episodes, multiple shows before, everybody's podcast that I've been on. The reason why it's so important, or I think it's important to at least try one Debbie League, is it kind of gives you a leg up. It gives you a more intricate and in-depth look at the upcoming class or two. And during your traditional Dynasty League season, you're able to strategically make moves to sort of position yourself to have three and four first round picks in 2020 to already have 
two and three first round picks locked up for 2021, which is going to be an absolutely fantastic class. And I'm talking about the guys who are confirmed to come out, not the guys that we really think will come out. I'm, I'm telling you right now, Jamar Chase isn't going back. Rondell Moore's not going back to Purdue, but the guys that are confirmed, like a Najee Harris, like a Devonta Smith, like Travis Etienne, those guys are, are Tylen Wallace. They are confirmed. They will be coming out in the 2021 class. So when you participate in Debbie Leagues, it sort of gives you a leg up on your league mates who aren't thinking about Brees Hall in 2022, who aren't prepared for Sam Howell to probably be the first quarterback taken in Superflex leagues in 2022. So if you're listening to the show and you're like, ah, oh my God, it's a it's a Debbie related show. I don't want to hear, but you're going to gain value from the show because we're talking about players who you are going to draft in your rookie drafts coming up. And it sort of highlights the great fallacy that is so prevalent in Debbie Leagues that the rookie picks are worthless. The rookie picks mean nothing in Debbie Leagues because you already deplete the incoming draft pool during your Debbie startup. Well, sort of. (laughs) Sort of. Yes, the top-rated players like a DeAndre Swift, like Jonathan Taylor and Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb and T. Higgins are gone, but I'm I'm looking at all the Debbie leagues that I participated in, and I went back and sort of looked at what that draft looked like, and 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 I and I want to kind of read that to you to tell you that it, it is a, a a fallacy in thinking that those rookie draft picks mean nothing. And if you were in a Debbie startup last year, and you were fortunate enough, and and if it were super flex, oh my gosh. If you were fortunate enough to to hold on to those rookie picks, you're sitting on a gold mine right now. You're loving where you're at right now because, I mean, Joe Burrow, you know, I, 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 and I'm going to get into some other players, but every single year, players arise from the ashes, come out of nowhere, and just absolutely tear up college football And it happened again this past college football season in 2019. There were players who disappointed. There were players who came out of nowhere and have made themselves a ton of money. And they're going to be first round NFL draft picks. And that is why you shouldn't devalue those rookie picks in your Debbie leagues. So I'm not going to list every single Debbie league that I'm in and give you sort of the draft breakdown of what those leagues look like, but I am going to kind of talk to you about the DDP Listener League and sort of how that league broke down that draft and sort of where these players were taken to let you know that there is a great chance that your depleted rookie draft pool is absolutely loaded. And it's not so much the names that you're going to hear, but it's going to be the names that you don't hear where you're going to be like, wow, or I can't believe these guys were going that high at this point in time. So uh, over the summer, uh, Jerry Judy, DeAndre Swift, Travis Etienne, Jonathan Taylor were all top Debbie picks in our Debbie startup. But then you've got players like Eno Benjamin, who went before Cam Akers, who went before Jalen Rager, CeeDee Lamb in a 14-team half-point PPR Debbie League. CeeDee Lamb was the 114. Tyler Johnson went 201. Henry Ruggs went 204. Keyshawn Vaughn was drafted in this league. T. Higgins went 208. Jake Fromm, super flex, so you got to get your quarterback. Jake Fromm went 212. Brian Edwards went 301. Najee Harris, 33. Jordan Love, 34. 
Ricky Slade, John Emery Jr., Trey Sanders, Trey Sermon, Adrian Martinez, Albert O., Jacob Eason, A.J. Dillon went 4.03. Bo Nix, Justin Shorter, Rashad Bateman went 4.10. Jamar Chase. <laughs> Jamar Chase is going to be the 101 next year. He almost went undrafted. He went 4.11 and then rounding out the last two to Marion Terry and Jerion Ely. And that's just in one league. That's just in one league. So I say that to say J.K. Dobbins was the second round pick in this Debbie startup. J.K. Dobbins went after, you know, Tyler Johnson and, and Eno Benjamin was picked before J.K. Dobbins. So when you're looking at your depleted rookie draft this year, I want to give you a top 24. I'm going to give you a top 24 and and check for some guys like Keyshawn Vaughn in your league. And, and I'm using data that was provided by Debbie Watch last year, their ADP, looking at some of my Debbie drafts. I asked some other people, you know, who was sort of omitted from your Debbie startup draft. And it's a pretty doggone good list of players who will be available for you guys. So we're just going to kind of go through these guys and, and we're going to use a super flex format. There are only a couple of quarterbacks that I'm going to talk about. And I'll start in, I'll start from 24 and we'll work our way up to one. So if you're in a Debbie league, if you're participating in the Debbie league, you should be pretty doggone happy about at least 24 of these selections. And I can even throw in a couple of other names of some players who would, you know, fill out 25, 26, 27, 28. But let's just do a top 24 depleted rookies for your Debbie leagues. And at 24 and 23, we're going to go ahead and knock the tight ends out of the way. We're going to get them out of the way. I've got Bryson Hopkins and Cole Komet. Those are my top two rated tight ends. I really, really like Adam Troutman. I really do. I just want to see the draft capital. You know, with tight ends, I, I really don't want to talk about taking them inside of a top 24, but when you're talking about a depleted rookie draft, it's almost like you're playing with house money here. So those are the kind of my bottom two guys, the end of round two, Bryson Hopkins, Cole Komet, and, and you've got to think about this a little bit different than a traditional rookie draft because again, all of those top guys, Jalen Rager, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, all of the top rated guys, they're gone, and even some of those middle tier guys like a Eno Benjamin, like, you know, the, those players, like a Keyshawn Vaughn, those guys were all drafted. So 24, Bryson Hopkins, 23, Cole Komet. Now we get to the running back position, and we've got Michael Warren, the running back out of Cincinnati, and he did not participate at the NFL Scouting Combine. Uh, Warren didn't participate. I, I guess he's going to do something at his pro day. But he did come in at five foot nine, two hundred and twenty six pounds, which is that's pretty tall on big for a running back. So he's looking good, and he was very productive at Cincinnati. He's he's one of the guys that I know Garrett Price that uh, works with Dynasty Nerds. He's a big fan of Michael Warren, and I was actually he was one of the guys that I was really excited to watch participate at the combine because he looked good. His tape looked good. His film looked good. So Michael Warren checks in at 22 for me. At 21, I've got Chase Claypool, the big wide receiver out of Notre Dame. Six foot four, 240 pounds, ran a 4-4-40, jumped through the roof. I mean, just a big, monstrous wide receiver who I think his better days are going to be at tight end. And if, if Claypool came out right now and said that he was going to play that move tight end role, 
a weapon like that, I mean, he would skyrocket for me, not just in a Debbie depleted rookie draft, but in a regular rookie draft when you've got a, a, a weapon like that at that size, at that speed. You cannot, you cannot ignore a player like that. So Chase Claypool, for me, comes in right after Michael Warren, and I and I feel comfortable taking him at 21 and maybe even a little bit higher when it's all said and done, depending on what team lands him. You know, again, 6'4", 240 pounds, 40-inch vertical jump, absolutely dynamic. All right, coming in at 20, I've got the running back out of the University of Miami, DJ Dallas, 5'10", 217 pounds. You know, DJ Dallas is somebody who's grown on me. He didn't, have, he wasn't a mega producer at Miami. His best season, he had 693 yards, eight touchdowns, caught 14 balls for two TDs. But he showed well at the combine, and to run a 4'5", 8", at 217 pounds, he looked all right, you know, 33-inch vertical jump, not the most explosive there is, but it's it's not bad either. So DJ Dallas is somebody I think you you probably will be able to get him off of your waiver wire after your rookie drafts, but in a Debbie depleted league, I do think he's well worth a second round pick. Coming in at 19, I've got the University of Florida running back LaMichael P. Ron, 5'11 to 16, showed very well at the senior bowl. Had a okay combine, you know, 5'11", 216, ran a 4'6", 240, which isn't like terrible, but he's not a huge back either. So you'd like to see that a little bit faster, but with a 35-inch vertical jump, he also bench pressed uh, 225, 22 times. So he's got some strength, not very good in the short shuttle, but Piran is somebody that looks good when he looks good, right? He looks good when he looks good and... uh well, you know, other than that, he really didn't shine at the University of Florida. He wasn't terrible, but he also wasn't just a, a world beater out there. He always left you wanting more. But one of the things that he did do in his final season was catch 40 passes, caught 40 passes and five TDs. So I do think there's some some upside there. And if you're getting him in the second round, which is appropriately valued in a Debbie depleted rookie draft, Nothing wrong with uh, LaMichael P. Ryan. So moving on to number 18, and let's get into this player because he is sort of a polarizing figure because he came from a smaller college and we really expected him to dominate at the Senior Bowl. And by all accounts, he was just another guy out there. And I'm talking about Liberty wide receiver Antonio Gandy Golden, 6'4", 223 pounds, ran a 4'6", so... Not great, but not a uh, not a death sentence either. Thirty six inch vertical jump, not very good in the short shuttle or the three cone. But what he did at Liberty was absolutely dominate. And if you pay attention to market share and dominator rating, he absolutely crushed back to back thousand yard seasons, back to back ten touchdown seasons. His junior and season year at Liberty, over seventy receptions in each of those seasons. So uh, a mega producer at a very small college and. You would have liked to seen him or, or heard that he went out to the senior bowl and absolutely dominated some of those cornerbacks, absolutely dominated, you know, the, those that the defense couldn't handle him. And that was completely opposite of what you heard of Gandy Golden. And then you were thinking, okay, when he gets to the combine, maybe he's a little bit faster, maybe he's a little more fluid, and he may just end up being a one trick pony at the next level. But, you know, he's six foot four. He's 6'4", 220-something pounds, so worst-case scenario, he could be a red zone problem, a, a matchup nightmare on the outside. 
is that the making of a consistent fantasy asset? No, but again, Debbie depleted rookie draft. This is house money you're playing with because these picks don't matter. These picks, who cares? Who cares about a second round pick in a Debbie depleted rookie draft? But if you're telling me I can get Antonio Gandy Golden as the 18th best player, uh, I'll take it. And at 17, and I, I may need to move this guy up just a little bit, but he didn't test at the combine. And I'm talking about the, the diminutive wide receiver out of Penn State, KEJ Hamler. And Hamler's a speedster. He came in a little heavier than I thought. He wasn't Hollywood Brown at 160, he's 178. Bench pressed 225 15 times at five foot nine. And at Penn State, all he did was, you know. Catch, catch passes, look fast to have good averages on his passes. And he also did return some punts. So you like to see uh, a smaller player whose, whose game is predicated on speed be able to offer some special teams ability. So I think the pro day is going to be pretty big for KJ Hamler. You want to see him didn't compete at the combine. I heard he tweaked something uh, during his training. So you really want to see a player that size run very, very fast. And I think he can do it. There's a play versus Ohio State last year where he caught uh, a simple kind of a slant route, a crossing route across the field and just completely outran the defense. So KJ Hamler is somebody that I'm interested to see. Uh, A quiet surprise here coming in as my 16th best player available in uh, this Debbie depleted rookie draft is Isaiah Hodgins, the big wide receiver out of Oregon State. And I know a lot of people don't stay up late to watch the Pac-10. I still, I'm still calling it the Pac-10. The Pac-12 play in Oregon State wasn't a very good team, but Hodgins is a big boy wide receiver, 6'4", 210. You know, he actually had a quietly a pretty good combine, you know, at that size. Again, in the 4'6", is not a death sentence, but then you see that 36.5-inch vertical jump. You see the broad jump at 124 inches. Three-cone wasn't bad at 7.01 to be that tall. And then the short shuttle was also... Pretty decent again, 4.12 to be six foot four to bend down and do that. Now, Hodgins does have the market share data, and in his junior season, over 1,100 receiving yards, 13 TDs. Year before that, 876 receiving yards, five TDs. So every year he was getting better and better and better. And you like to see that consistency out of young players that they they continue to mature. And then he was an early declaree. So he didn't stay until senior season. He was good enough to say, you know what? I'm coming out. I, I don't need to, to to come back. So Hodgins is somebody that I really, really, really like him. And he's somebody that I'm going to be targeting, not just in a Debbie depleted league. If I can get Isaiah Hodgins in, in a Debbie league, that's that's super gravy. He's somebody that I'm going to be targeting in a traditional dynasty league, probably third, fourth round. I think that'd be an appropriate time frame to get him unless he surprises and gets some better than expected draft capital. Now, here goes a player that a lot of people are excited about. And man, we wanted to see him test at the combine, but Lynn Bowden Jr., wide receiver out of Kentucky, 5'11", 204. So, you know, very good size uh, for Bowden. And he was sort of that slash do-it-all player at Kentucky. He was a wide receiver and then he had to go to quarterback, but he's playing quarterback and is really like a running back. So just dynamic. So you got to take it back to his freshman season as a wide receiver. 17 receptions, 210 yards. His sophomore season, 67 receptions, 745 yards, five TDs. Okay, it's looking like his junior season. He's going to break out at wide receiver and absolutely crush it. 
No, all he did was he caught 30 passes for 300 yards, 348 yards, but he ran the ball 185 times out of the quarterback position for almost 1,500 yards and 13 TDs. Dynamic. Dynamic slash player. Bowden isn't a quarterback. I'm glad he's playing wide receiver, but I think that that sort of that ability in the in the in the quarterback game, the running game, also returned a ton of kicks at Kentucky, over 70 kick returns. His ability to play on special teams, he had two punt return touchdowns on five punt returns as a sophomore. Five punt returns, two of them went for touchdowns as a sophomore. He is the ultimate Swiss Army knife chess piece. And if he runs 4-4, if he runs, you know, low 4-4, mid 4-4, I I think we're going to see Lynn Bowden's stock skyrocket because a player with that size, with that skill set, is definitely, definitely somebody who's very, very useful. All right, now coming in at number 14, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this player because I was very high on him pre-combine. I thought he could be somebody who would be a fantastic satellite third down back who, if had to fill in a couple of weeks, really reminded me of a Matt Breida. And, and I don't dislike him. He's the classic case of the film not matching up with the testing numbers. And I'm talking about University of Washington running back Savan Ahmed. You know, he he did participate at the combine, and it was not what we all expected. At five foot eleven, one hundred ninety seven pounds, you we a lot of people expected him to be a four four player and and potentially four three. I think there were some odds that Vegas put out that he was you know some you could put money on him to be one of the fastest or the fastest player at the combine, and he ran a four six two. We all know that at the 40 time for the running back is not the most important stat, but when you've got a player who's sub 200 pounds, who lacks that burst, he only had a 34-inch vertical jump, who lacks that high-end speed, you start thinking, you know, what role can he have at the next level? Do you want Ahmed carrying the rock for you, you know, 15, 20 times a game? And the answer to that question is probably no. I still like him. I may have him a little too high on this list, and there may be some players like an Isaiah Hodgins or a KJ Hamler who probably deserve to be uh, ranked ahead of Ahmed. But I think at 14, you know, top of the second round in your Debbie Depleted rookie draft, that's an appropriate spot to go ahead and grab him. Now, coming in at 13, I've got the University of Texas wide receiver Devin Duvernay. He's somebody that I've talked about quite a bit on this show because I did think that he was a very, very productive very talented wide receiver, even though he didn't produce until his senior year. This past season, over 100 receptions, 1,300 yards. He's one of the nation's leader in receptions. And speed demon, right? We knew that Duvernay was going to run fast. He was a Texas high school state champion, ran a 10-3, 10-2 in the 100-meter dash, and then all he did at the combine was drop a 4-3-9, 35-and-a-half-inch vertical jump. Not very good in the lateral agility drills, as nobody really was, but I've always said that Duvernay looks like a running back when he gets the ball in his hands, and he's 5'10", 200 pounds. So, I mean, he's like the size of a running back. So you get Duvernay, you know, at the top of the second round, you know, 201, if if you're kind of looking at this in, in those terms, then I think that's a, that's a fantastic spot, and that's a pretty doggone good get because I think he's going to deserve – you know, maybe third round draft capital, fourth round draft capital. And I know there's some people who, who've got some good data and research and, and how that translates to top 24 fantasy seasons. Jesse Reeves is one of those guys. But I think Duvernay 
uh, probably could be a day two pick in the NFL draft as a dynamic slot receiver. So let's get to the top 12. And at number 12, somebody that I've really come around on, and I, and I am going to be aggressively targeting him in every single rookie draft that I'm in, is Michigan wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones, DPJ, 6'2", 2'12", ran a 4'4", 8", and a 44.5-inch vertical and almost a 140-inch broad jump. Absolutely dynamic, explosive, explosive wide receiver who did absolutely nothing in college. Final season, 438 passing, uh, uh, receiving yards, six TDs on 34 receptions. His best counting season was his sophomore year, only had 47 grabs for 612 yards. But what I really like about Peoples-Jones is his ability in the special teams, especially punt returns. He had, I believe it was three or four punt returns called back, uh, four touchdowns called back, but two punt return touchdowns in his career. You know, 89 punt returns, 743 yards. He's an explosive, explosive dynamic athlete who I think, you know, NFL teams have to weigh. Was the production really on him or was that the University of Michigan not knowing how to get him the ball and not figuring out ways to make things easy for Shea Patterson, Wilton Spate, and whoever else, whoever the hell else they had throwing the ball out there. So DPJ got him at 12. At 11, this is a player that I absolutely love. And, and I think he could end up being higher than all these other running backs I'm going to name, but I, I don't know if he's going to get the draft capital that some of these other backs are. And it's Memphis running back Antonio Gibson. I am a big Antonio Gibson fan. They got him listed at wide receiver. He's a running back. They're going to move him to running back at six foot, 230 pounds, came in at 228, ran a 4.39, 35-inch vertical jump. And what's so crazy about Gibson, man, what's so crazy is if you were a fan of Tony Pollard, this guy's like a souped-up version of Tony Pollard. Over 1,100 combined rushing and receiving yards last year on 71 touches. One more time. <laughs> 1,100 total yards on 71 touches in 12 TDs, 19.3 yard receiving average, 11.2 yard rushing average, absolutely explosive, dynamic playmaker, return kicks, 28 yard average per kick return. Gibson is somebody, I've got him ranked 11 right now. He's somebody that I can definitely see rising. And I've heard people like Matt Kelly talk about him being sort of a um, David Johnson, uh, a David Johnson clone. I can absolutely see that skill set, the, 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 the ability to bang between the tackles and then catch the ball. I definitely see some DJ in his game. So I'm a big fan of Antonio Gibson. Now coming up, this is a player who's really grown on me, Josh Kelly running back out of UCLA, 5'11", 212. Heard he, too, was the best player at his position at the Senior Bowl, and it wasn't even close. A lot of people kind of mistake him or mistook him as a, a plotting running back, but he ran a 4.49 at the combine. And, you know, his lateral agility, a 6.953 cone, I like Josh Kelly. Back-to-back 1,000-yard -back seasons at UCLA, caught 38 passes during his career, and then he's got that requisite, you know, starting running back size at 200 and uh, what did he come in? Josh Kelly was 212 pounds. Yeah, 212. 5'11", 212. Love it. Love it. That's good stuff. So 
to be able to get Josh Kelly, you know, the back half of your first round and your depleted draft, love it. Now, the running back that I think has the highest ceiling of all of these probably depleted running back groups uh, from the depleted running back group of rookie draft prospects is Darrington Evans, and I have him ranked at number nine, the running back out of Appalachian State, played at a smaller school, but we wanted to see him be fast. We knew he was fast, but we just wanted to see it. Not only was he fast, he was explosive as hell. 5'10-203, came in heavier than we thought, 4'4-140, 37-inch vert, 20, 20 bench press reps, and he was a two, a mega producer in college. Back-to-back 1,100-yard season, 1,100-plus yard seasons, 18 TDs in his final year, 20 receptions, and then a dynamic kick returner as well, three kick return touchdowns in his career Darrington Evans, going to have a lot of him in rookie drafts as well. I want him to continue to slide under the radar. Now, number eight, I've got Arizona State wide receiver Brandon Ayuk. Now, we all thought he, some people thought he'd be a 4'3 guy. I thought he was a lot faster than what he ran at a 4'5. But at six foot 205, running a 4'5, you know, not, not the worst. We'd like to see a little bit faster. Um, but a 40 inch vertical jump, 128 prod jump. It's not bad. 1,100-yard season last year. He, too, uh, returned some punts and kicks, so he does have that in his repertoire to be able to add that to an offense, and I've got him as the eighth-best player in Debbie Depleted Rookie Draft Pools. Number seven, Zach Moss. Now, I'm not the biggest Zach Moss fan, but apparently a lot of people love him because he breaks a lot of tackles. He caught a lot of passes. He's 5'9", 223, ran a 4'6", 5". So, again, not a death sentence, 33-inch vertical jump. Not really that explosive to be 5'9", 223. I'm sure his BMI looks good. I mean, three straight 1,000-yard seasons, 66 career receptions. And apparently he broke every broken tackle metric that PFF has to offer. I'm just... I'm concerned that we're looking at David Montgomery 2.0 and maybe not even what David Montgomery was. I don't know, but, you know, he's probably going to be a day two pick. And if he's a day two pick, whether that's third round draft capital, second round draft capital, he probably needs to be up even a little bit higher than where he is on this list right now. But as it stands, I got him sixth and he would be the number two rated running back that I have in depleted rookie drafts. At number six, we got USC wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. We knew he was big. We wanted to see, was he explosive? Was he fast? Checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. He had one of the best combines at the wide receiver position. That sort of was kind of unexpected. Uh, for that size, to run a 4.52 with a 36.5-inch vertical jump, absolutely fantastic. Then his three-cone, 6.96, when everybody else was 7 this, 7 that. 6.96, amazing. 4.14, love it. And he was a Blitnikoff Award finalist in his final season at SC, over 1,200 yards, uh, over 100 receptions, 11 TDs. It's not going to give you anything in special teams. Didn't do that. Was not a kick and punt returner. That's all right, though. That's all right. He scored one punt return on, like, this fake play. It was pretty cool by USC. But, man, I, I'm excited to grab some Michael Pittman Jr. because I think he's probably going to be a, a, an instant impact on an NFL team. I don't know if that's going to translate right away to fantasy points, but I, I love what he brings to the table. Now, number five, let's get into a quarterback. And for the sake of this exercise, we're going to assume this is super flex. And if he gets the draft capital that I'm anticipating, which is probably higher than most, 
I would move him up even further. But I've got Jalen Hurts, the quarterback out of Oklahoma at 6'1", 22, 4'5", 940-yard dash. And he was an efficient passer. I know a lot of people don't want to believe it, you know, and I get it. I get the the hesitation, the reservation for investing in Jalen Hurts. But again, this is house money. This is house money. And if you're telling me that I can get a potential starting quarterback in a Debbie depleted rookie draft that not only can throw the ball, but can offer you rushing upside where he's a five, 600, 700 yard rusher every single year player, if he becomes a starter at the, at the five spot, absolutely. Sign me up. He's got the intangibles. He's going to work his tail off. He's a leader. Uh, he, he's got sort of those things that you look for at a quarterback, and, and he's he's battled adversity, and he's gotten better every single year. So I'm a fan of Jalen Hurts. I, I'm hoping that he does well. He's not Lamar Jackson. He won't be Lamar Jackson, and he doesn't need to be Lamar Jackson to be successful at the next level. If Mitchell Trubisky can do it, I've got faith that Jalen Hurts can at least show well. Now let's get to number four, and I've got Baylor wide receiver Denzel Mims. Nobody was taking Denzel Mims in Debbie Leagues, and everybody they were talking about, weren't they weren't selected in majority of Debbie Leagues, if not at all. And at 6'3", 207, 438, 38.5-inch vertical jump, 6'6", 6'3", 131-inch broad jump, and producer. You know, there was one down season. Uh, his freshman year, he didn't do anything. His junior season, he kind of tailed off a little bit, but over 1,000 receiving yards, 12 TDs in his final season. Mims is a top five wide receiver for me in regular rookie drafts in your traditional dynasty leagues. So to get him inside the top five in a Debbie depleted draft is absolutely steal, stealing candy. And all of your league mates are going to be sick. <laughs> They're going to be absolutely sick when you're drafting Denzel Mims. And they're going to be even sicker when you're drafting Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver out of LSU, 6-1-2-0-2. Jefferson ran a 4-8-8 confirmed out of high school. I was hoping 4-6, 4-5, best case scenario. No, 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 no. 4-4-3, 37.5-inch vert, 126-inch broad jump. I mean, I, I've got him at 3 he very well could be number two, over 1,500 yards, 18 TDs, 111 receptions, and that's coming off of an 800-yard sophomore season. To get Justin Jefferson at the 103, I would be, that's, you're getting a first-round rookie draft pick, or at least a high second-round rookie draft pick in a Debbie-depleted draft. That's that's crazy. I mean, the top three guys all came from LSU, and that is why you don't devalue these picks. Number two is Clyde edwards Lair, and the only reason I have edwards Lair ranked ahead of Mims and Justin Jefferson is because the running back position traditionally has that value right away. You know, even if you're not the biggest edwards Lair fan, you pick him up, you trade him after he, you know, rushes for 120-something yards in back-to-back weeks or catches a lot of passes, you can trade him away. You know, he's not the biggest guy. We knew he was short, 5'11", but he's 207, 4'6", 40, not bad. 39-inch vert, absolutely fantastic. And what he did in his final season at LSU, 55 receptions, over 1,400 rushing yards. I mean, you're going to have a tough decision to make between, you know, 2, 3, and 4, between Mims, Jefferson, and Clyde Edwards-Elair. But for the sake of the position, I think you go running back 
because the value is there immediately. And if you need to trade Edwards Elaire to get some other pieces, I think you'd be able to do that. And number one, no surprise, Joe Burrow. Again, round of applause. Congratulations to everybody who kept those rookie draft picks because they were so terrible. And you get a free square at quarterback. You probably have the number one pick in you know your your regular rookie draft. And uh, when you had good picks, uh, it's just this is awesome to be able to get Joe Burrow at the one hundred and one in your rookie draft because everybody traded those picks away. That's great. I mean, you should be ecstatic to get a 60 touchdown, even if you think he's a one-year wonder. Even if you think he's a one-year wonder, he's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. I don't know how many times this will happen again for Debbie Leagues. I don't know, because this is unprecedented. It's unprecedented. But what, what does happen is players come out of nowhere every single year. So if you don't take anything away from this show, do not devalue those rookie picks next year. Go acquire them. Will it be as good as this? I don't know. But I'll tell you that you better believe that college football season 2020, somebody is going to pop. Somebody is going to fall fall off the face of the earth and not produce. They're going to go back. So you want to still accumulate those rookie draft picks. And those of you who are sitting with a top five pick in this depleted rookie draft, you are sitting on gold. You're sitting on a starting running back. You're sitting on starting wide receivers. You're sitting on starting quarterbacks. All because you said, I'll take that first that you don't want. You can have my my Debbie 305 for your first. There you go. Top 24 incoming rookies. Debbie depleted. You heard it here first on the DDP. That's what we do. We provide actionable content. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Listen, man, listen. The YouTube channel's up. YouTube channel is live. It is going. All 22 film, prospect breakdowns, a new show, the All Gas Show. Dropped a new episode yesterday. You'll be listening to this on Wednesday, recording on Tuesday night. Dropped a new episode of the All Gas Show. Me, unfiltered, just off the cuff, talking to the people Man, it, it, it's subscribe. Subscribe. If you want to scout all 22 film, if you want to see what I evaluate and how I evaluate these players, the prospect play series is there. We've got 2021 prospects, 2020 prospects, new show, all gas, and there's other things coming. We're not done cooking yet. So if you have subscribed, thank you. I appreciate you sincerely. It means a lot to me. Subscribe to this show. Check out all the other dope shows on DLF. This is a member of the DLF family pods. I've got work over there. There's Debbie rankings. There's new tools, max speed, ADP, rookie ADP, Debbie ADP, all kinds of dope stuff, man. But subscribe to the DDP. Go to YouTube. Subscribe to the Destination Debbie YouTube channel. And I I promise you more heat is coming your way. But hey, man, trade windows open. I told you you had windows to trade. Combine is over. Go make those trades. Let people take Henry Ruggs at the 105 and then let that value fall down to you so you can grab Cam Akers and be happy. Be happy, man. But I I appreciate every listening ear. I appreciate all the feedback, the love, the engagement. I hope you all stay well, stay safe. Be careful out there, man. Scary stuff going on. Hey, I'll be rocking with you again next week. But until then, I'm out rambling. You know what's next. Drop the music.